So I'm going to get into what I have for today. Sitting down, I really wanted this more like a kitchen table talk, not a preaching message, uh, but just what God was dealing with me uh, over the last few years, and it's even been more remindful now with the certain times that we are in right now. Uh, but this message, uh, I, I hope you get some out of something out of it. I do want to start um, by asking. There's a question, and that usually it's a dedicated. It's directed in an exterior way, right? A question, exterior way. And here's what they are applied to in some some settings and situations in our life. Waiting for a person to come to dinner. Dinner is ready. The person we're waiting for to come to dinner. Looking for your wife in a store. Your dog wanders off. Uh, men driving on gumption to a place they've only been to maybe once with no GPS before. To God when things get bad. These are exterior questions towards people or different situations. The question being in an exterior form is, where are you, right? Son, where are you for dinner? It's ready. Texting your wife in, in a store. Honey, we've been here 60 minutes. Where are you? Sorry, these are personal things. Your dog, Cecil, whatever your dog's name is, where are you? Has run off. My valiant driving efforts, going somewhere, not using any GPS, and I know I've taken a wrong turn, but I'm not going to tell my wife I did. And she says quickly, where are you? And then mostly to God, when things can get tough. God, where are you? Even though the question we'll find out today more is really, where are you as a person, right? So these are exterior questions, and they're very important in our life. Sorry, I'm learning how to do the camera this way. Good thing this thing moves, right? All right, but taking this question, where are you, I want to turn it inside out for today, okay? And that is, where am I? As we know, uh, you know, it's not a question of condemnation, but simply of location, not geographically, but where am I spiritually? That's what we're really going to chat about today. Have you ever taken the time to ask that question? It's an interior question, not an exterior, like we just gave an example, a few examples. Take the time to ask yourself, maybe once a year or in a lifetime, where am I? I began to ask this question uh, interior to myself many years ago. You know, in good times and changing times, certainly especially now where we are, you need to know where you are, right? Certainly spiritually. Knowing where you are helps you define things relevantly to your now. Helps put value on where value is needed. Helps put change to things that need change, right? The biggest failure I feel, and I try to avoid this in my life, and I'm not that great at it, the biggest failure I believe is one in life is thinking where they are as an individual and knowing where they think they are. In reality, they're not. That's a failure in life. You know, meaning I'm, I'm doing something here, I think, but I'm really doing it over there. Sounds too simple, but life can make it very, very complex. Spiritual awareness of location determines how we do life and make equal importance in certain things and even how other people see you and understand you. But not for self 
acknowledgement, but for effectiveness as a Christian? Are you making a difference? Today's question is assuming you have accepted Christ into your life. The reminder we do not live for ourselves, but for him. Intention to ask this question from time to time, time to time is not really for you and about you, even though it's about you, but it's for his purpose in you. You know, culture would encourage this ongoing question to yourself. Who, where are you to help find yourself? What's the best version of you? For a Christian, if we actually adopt this, this is a very self-serving gospel, but it's out there, and people don't intentionally do this. But if I have that mindset of always asking the best version of me for me, my life will be very stationary as a Christian, a believer. See, Christ says, find me, and through me, my version of you is your best version. I'm going to say that again. When Christ clearly says, find me, and through me, my version is your best version of yourself. Meditate on that at some point. It's challenging. So the question where I am as a Christian, you really only have the only license to ask it because it is about you. You know, Christ is very keen on direction because if you don't know where you are, are you sure you're even facing the right direction? You know, Christ in his very keen on direction idea, what echoes through our souls as believers is Christ's words come follow me. That's very directional. To act, you need to know where you are to begin, right? Knowing where you are helps avoid you getting too far out in front of yourself. And that can happen. Some of the most mind-blowing things I help initiate sometimes in my own life is I spend too much time talking about things I can't control nor have the responsibility to change. Right? In general, knowing where you are helps keep you centered from all of this. So asking that question, excuse me, where am I, right? One great overhanging truth in today, what I'm, we're, we're talking about, it's a very silent but sobering truth, but God knows where you are at all time, right? For many of this, this is saving grace. I know for me it is. Uh, We're going to read out of uh, Psalms 139 because David knew of this truth. He really did. So Psalms 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And then as many of us know this in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The designer knows where you are at all time as he designed you. Not because he has a narcissistic need to know where you are at all time, but because he cares for you, right? Right? Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. 
as we continue to read about where God knows you are. He says, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice. I will listen to you. Then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. If he doesn't know where you are, how can he guarantee you will find him? Or can he even listen to you when you cry? Evidence he knows where you are at all time. Paul believed that God knew where he was when he, when he wrote Philippians 1.6. I am convinced of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ. For him to know how to complete a good work in you, meaning God, he needs to know where you are, right? This is encouraging, very encouraging, because when we don't spend time knowing where we are, where am I, God at all times that cares for you knows where you are. So back to my life, to keep it entertaining for a minute or two, um, you know, I had to answer this. I was appraising my life by saying, where am I? It was an interior question, but it was always, where am I, Right? And for many years as a Christian, a believer, you know what my answer was? I'll make you pause as I get a drink. My answer was fine. Where am I? I asked me that, myself that question. Where am I as a believer? I'm fine. I'm fine and that's where I am. However, fine of an answer was more focused on my condition more than what where God saw me spiritually. I had saw the Christian brochure front and back cover and I thought I arrived at this central place called Christianity. God's great to me. I'm serving him, doing things and com- comfort where I am. I am just fine, right? Unbeknownst to me, over the years when I kept answering that question of where I am and saying I'm fine, that that fine word was really a four-letter word in my life. Why? Because there was no movement when I'm fine. Warning, and you've heard this from Pastor John and many of the other pastors here too. If your spiritual life has not grown over time, you're not fine. Not that my spiritual life was absolutely static. I was plugged in. But where I was, I was never moving because that's where I thought I needed to be at all times, where I was. Why no movement? I have no target or focus. I'm just fine. I'm a Christian. Here's two quotes that really speak to this, I guess, when it, when it has to do with appraising yourself and where you are and, and f- focus and target and things like that in your life and certainly spiritually. So this quote's from Zig Ziglar. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time, right? Pretty easy. Just ask a marksman. Another quote, if everybody is somewhere, just some plan more on their where. Chew on that one. Everybody is somewhere, 
Just some plan more on their where. So about a, a year ago, in asking this question for myself, where am I? I got in my sense to ask, finally, the Holy Spirit. Include somebody else in this discussion, right? And really, in life, the Holy Spirit is what's on this picture right here. The compass, right? So one day, I was like, okay, I've been saying I've been fine for the last many years when I appraise myself on where I am. I've been a Christian for over 30-plus years, seem to be doing fine. Holy Spirit, where am I? That simply was the question. I, could, I knew, I was a believer, I know he knows where I am. So I was expecting to get an answer. The answer didn't come right away. It came through some prayer and listening. But over time, the answer was this. You're on the road. Not to do a location and where I am, but that's what dropped in my spirit. You are on the road. Sometimes our mind, when we're dealing with God, automatically defaults to some complex things uh, for understanding. When most of God's truth, as you know, is pretty darn simple, right? We mess it up. After more meditation of this answer, I began to really sense what He meant by that. See, a road is made for the purpose of traveling. And in order for you to travel, I know we're teasing everybody now in COVID-19, but in order for you to travel, what must you be doing? Moving, right? You have to be moving. Sounds pretty simple. So if I'm put on the road, it implies that I must be heading somewhere with Christ, right? Not perfect steps, but there's motion. There's movement towards something. So my fine answer had nothing to do with movement towards anything. The best God had for me, that wasn't always on my radar. It was neat. It was in that brochure, but it wasn't a pursuit. Were you on a journey at all? Were you in that journey that maybe God designed? Again, these seems like simple things that you already know, that I know, and I'm no special because God's been dealing with me. I mean, just maybe more ignorant than others. But what I'm getting to is there's a lot of connection with knowing and getting an answer to where I am when we ask ourselves that in the Holy Spirit. So if I was seeking him, asking what's different of being fine, then supposedly there must be a gap in my perception, right? So... Let's start from my very beginning because what ended up happening is the Holy Spirit said, let me take you back to when you got saved. And this is how I can help answer where I see you as on the road, right? So as Julie Andrews once said in Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning, right? So I accepted Christ. Got a one-way ticket to heaven. That was fantastic. As a new believer, the opportunity to do great things is a new beginning at that point, right? Because hence the word born again. New relationship with Christ and my appetite was slowly growing towards him. God gave me a journey that would begin, a journey of being a Christian. No clear mapping right away, just I knew we were on the road. 
I continue to hear louder and louder as I'm focused on that road the call. And that simple call is not complex. The call is from Christ, come follow me. Stepping out in that direction, there's motion, there's movement. And Pastor John did an amazing series about a year ago on Come Follow Me. And if you didn't get to hear that or you need to revisit it, it should be on our, our, our iTunes or on our YouTube. But the call I'm talking about, Come Follow Me, has nothing to do with your vocation. It has nothing. It's just the plain, simple, Come Follow Me. And it's much deeper. The Come Follow Me is what drew me into motion as we start down the road to follow Christ. And as we get more confident in our motion and our focus and we're more clear, God gives us thing, this thing called the suit of armor, right? The spiritual suit of armor, the armor of God. And we all know about this. The armor of God is given to us to withstand the devil as we sit on the couch, right? No. As we actually are in motion doing his will on earth. We all know this. Loins girded with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. God gives you these tools. They are tools. Sometimes as new Christians and even seasoned Christians, we turn to focus too much on just one or two of these tools and lose our momentum or even direction. The enemy doesn't want you to move on this road. He would like you to consume. Not moving means you are not influencing your world and not moving down the road and hearing Christ's call in your life to come follow me. We are not of this world, but we are in it. That's the reality, right? And the devil knows that. Very plain and simple. So if he can keep you as a fine Christian, right? Not moving, just existing and being a Christian. Or even better yet, if he can get you to be a consuming Christian, which is slowly being adopted over the years too. Is that an offensive word, consuming? No. The definition of consuming is one who uses up resources, right? Not growing or giving, just uses resources. You remember Jeff Foxworthy, Worthy the comedian? Excuse me. He's a comedian, and he one of what he got famous for is you might be a redneck if, right? So follow me along, just to refresh your memory. You might be a redneck if your stereo speakers used to belong to the drive-in theater. Your boat has not left the driveway in 15 years. You own a homemade fur coat. You might be a redneck. Chiggers are included on your list of top five hygiene concerns. You might be a redneck. Anywho, you might be a Christian consumer if your intake is much greater than your outtake and not practicing what you are preaching. You, you might be a Christian consumer if you major in the minors. Keep focus on things you'd like to change without the desire to take on any responsibility to do the change. 
fluid more in the language of defensiveness than encouragement. You might be a Christian consumer. Have a library of reasons why you can't serve in church. Christian consumer. So that's even where the devil would love to have you, even before you even think you can be fine as a Christian. Don't ever fall into that trap. I can see how... So when you're a new Christian, obviously you're back to, let's get back to the journey. You're putting these new items on, the armor of God, and you're hearing the call, and you're, you've started small steps, but they're baby steps, but they're steps, and they're moving, and you get to walk down the road, place your focus and commitment to God, and the tools that are given, the armor of God, only work best when you are in movement, right? Some Christians put the armor on, they don't walk, they're fine like I was, maybe use a tool here and there, but then those tools start to tend to get heavy over time. And if I'm not moving, why do I need them? They get put down. Problem is you're still on the road and you're open game to the enemy and you've been exposed at that point. The key is moving on the road, which is the key is following him. I know I'm going to be very repetitive with that today, but I was ignorant. I needed that to hear it many, many times to actually understand it. Being a Christian and following Christ really creates this unique journey for your life. Journey is not some hipster term, a deep reinvented new age term, journey. It just simply means in a definition of Webster Dictionary, an act of traveling from one place to the other. Simply that. If you get on the road, you will never leave where you are, one place or another, if you don't know you're on a journey. So God wants to take you where you are and bring you to another place, and that is the heart of the journey. The underlying mission when you're on this journey is to reconcile people back to Christ, make disciples of those in your world. Now, for me, quite a while, that phrase, making disciples, was very daunting. I mean, first of all, hey, isn't that a pastor's job? You know, it ain't my job. I had a false con- uh, scenario in my mind, two scenarios when I was knowing I had to help begin to make disciples. One was sitting or standing at a corner of a street yelling at the top of my lungs that God is here for you and he loves you. How effective is that? I don't know. Or at my old job before I came to work at FCC, my daunting thought was, okay, so before my coworker goes to take their lunch break, I really just need to tell them they're going to hell. Please come out to my Bible study tonight. So these were these mind false images of, of discipleship. Now, discipleship does mean going beyond leading somebody to the Lord, but we've actually been designed to do this as, as people, serving a relational God. So that is our mission on our journey, to make disciples. The output may be different from all, for all of us, not from a pulpit, a kitchen table, a cubicle. It may be different for all of us. But we'd encourage you that you need to understand that God was showing me that is part of the mission, and that creates motion. Don't ever disqualify what you never have qualified with his ability for you. I'm going to say that again. Don't ever, especially with disciple making, don't ever disqualify what you never have qualified with his ability in you. It's important. So where am I? Asking yourself that question. Am I a consuming Christian? Or am I at a next level? Just fine. 
not going much of anywhere? Or am I on the road? Does God see me on the road? So you may say, okay, Chris, if a journey is our Christian walk, and if it's the length of my life, that can be long, right? I mean, just being honest. So how do I stay in this ability to keep movement and in doing the mission and listening to the call? And God knows that. Your journey on the road is very important to him, but he know, and he knows your walk is not forced. So there's not some Star Wars gravitational pull that pulls you every morning to say, come follow me, right? So he's aware of that. So how do we keep that energy to do that? There's no real shortcuts on the shortcuts on the journey to get around distance, right? No vitamin to give us super energy to sprint through a marathon. However, the energy to walk on a rainy or sunny day in this journey really comes from one thing, and we know this. His love for you. That's what gives you energy to go. Beyond the Jesus Love You bumper sticker, the textbook and academic concept that Jesus has loved you, the last sermon you heard that God loves you, I'm talking about it's a personal experience and an organic, endless feeling and truth of how much you are loved. When you get a taste of this, this is overwhelming, how much he loves you. And that is the energy that gives you the ability to continue to walk on this road. Yes, we need to speak and preach about God's love for discovery purposes and motivate, but that relationship has to happen in you for you and him to come in you to work through that, of knowing personally how much he loves you. Paul said the love of Christ, it passes all understanding in that sense. It's a passing of knowledge, excuse me. It's even the fullness of God. So to Paul, this meant everything as well too. This same love gave you Christ, this same love gave you Christ when he was heading to Calvary the energy at one step of a time who I'm holding the cross thinking of you that's the love and that's the energy it can produce in you his love excuse me this love is everything and everything comes out of it in Christ everything How does this love grow in you more? It's relationships. We know this. The relationship to him, daily devotion, prayer and worship, but also learning to receive his love, and that's not easy for some because some of us may think we're not worth it in getting his love. So where are you? Certainly in receiving his love. Are you doing that? Because everything else in this Christian walk we're talking about today can be tough if we don't understand that and know that you know that you know how much he loves you. I'm far from this walk, even though I've been learning it a long way, but I have had a taste of this love. Have you? The love that overwhelms you when you meditate on it. The love that even maybe a tear will begin to drop from your eye, knowing how much he cares for you. We don't even have enough time to talk about this kind of love. But that love is the energy in your journey to keep the motion, to listen to the call, and follow out the mission. So back to this journey. Another very important thing is your terrain on the road, right? Terrain is what your feet hit every time you take a step. We need to be aware of that. At times, has your terrain been very rough on your Christian walk? Not as smooth and level of a road as we'd like. 
not due to the attacks by the enemy, that's why you have the armor of God, but just general life things that come against you or you walk through. Your terrain is only as smooth when you are positioned into connecting into a local church. I'm going to say that again. I really felt that when I was breathing this out of of this, this journey, but God really was saying to me personally, your terrain is only as smooth when you are positioned into connecting to a local church, plain and simple. The local church is where you are being equipped, guided by a shepherd, and growing and relating with other believers while influencing your, 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 your world around you for him. God wants your terrain on this journey to be smooth. He's not a God sitting up there with a big sense of humor saying, I want him to trip and make some tough terrain during his walk. He wants you to have the smooth terrain, but it's related to how well you're connected to a local church. If not, we'll have more bumps on the road than some in their terrain if we're not connected to a local church. Bumps on the road, higher hills, then you start seeing attractive detour signs, listening to other things outside of the narrow focus that God wants you to focus on. These detour signs may be good, good teaching from many other pastors, but is it relevant to your terrain terrain, and being in the church? Where am I? Mike Donahue in his book that he wrote, and he was here in February, as you know, he talks about it's all about trust. It's so essential with God. God wants you to trust him. God did not promise a lamp unto your, he did, excuse me, he promised a lamp unto your feet, but not a spotlight to an interstate. So on your journey, you don't see miles and miles of terrain, right? You just see what's in front of you, one step at a time in that trust. God would never leave you out on your journey alone. And we know this, but it's very true. And not have the ability to walk out the mission and hear his call. And which in that mission, again, is to make disciples, simply reconcile people to God, knowing the goodness of God. The journey should not be a struggle if we keep our eyes on him. Again, yoke easy, burden light, right? So if I know If I need to know where I am, like we've been saying, where am I? There must also be a design destination while I'm alive. Not heaven, which is great, but while I'm alive. We have good news. God wants you in a state, a place of abundant life. That is your destiny on the road. If you're you're already there, Wonderful, send us a postcard. But it is a real place of a destination. The God map was here before Google map, right? Your map from him, which is the word of God, shows you on your journey where you need to go. And following that journey wants you to find abundant life. And the only way to get abundant life is when you're on the road moving, right? You can only... Your map does not give time and destination of, excuse me, distance and time. It does not give time when you will arrive at your destination of abundant life. The distance is the distance between you being in your now and the state of abundancy.
Are you there yet as it relates to your spiritual status of abundancy? If so, I would only believe that it would spill over to the natural, right? Jesus was very, very clear to give us hope that we can reach this abundant life here on earth. Here's some well-known scriptures. John 10.10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have an enjoyed life and have it in abundance. 2 Corinthians 9.8, and God is able to make all graces, every favor, and earthly blessings come in the abundance to you so that you may always, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything self-sufficient in him and have abundance for every good work and act of charity. In Matthew, it even goes further. But first and foremost, importantly, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you. Those three scriptures speak to abundancy, and they're talking when you're on this earth, not when you're in heaven, right? In general terms, we tend to informally gauge our lives on the notion, have we arrived yet? In this case, abundant life, right? Arrived to what? Maybe abundant life. And this abundant life may be a, a human image of some utopia, right? That's when I've arrived. I have utopia. I'm in peace of, of just everything. For country folks, imagine a grassy field. Out in the country, no mosquitoes, cats and dogs are playing chess, you know, abundant life. That's your abundant life for country folks. For city folks, the top penthouse, this may be an image on the top floor at the corner of Easy and Delight Avenue. For saltwater lovers, it might be even a remote island away from everybody. That's abundant life. These are images, and it's okay to have them. But arriving at those type of images... And we know we may not be there, and we hear Jesus talking about abundant life, then we equate that to what he is talking about. Can we actually get there? Where am I? And then, really, to think about that quickly, to get these images separated, um, what I just talked about, that's really could be attained by success. All these utopia places I just three mentioned, um, you know, success and fulfillment are two different things. Success usually come, is a science in life, right? You do this, you work hard, you'll get that, okay? That's what we were just talking about in this utopia, and it's okay to think of that as abundant life. But fulfillment, that is different. For fulfillment comes out of the calling for what you were called to do and when you're walking it out. That's true fulfillment. So I propose to you that abundant life is a spiritual state. Not geographic boundaries, but is a spiritual state where you are lacking nothing. Isn't that awesome? So back to the armor of God. If you're, you find that abundancy in your life as you're walking out this mission, the armor of God should be a wonderful benefit to you. Your loins are girded with truth. You don't lack any un, outside of understanding of the truth. You know what the truth is. Breastplate of righteousness. You represent him. And you have his nature in every situation, not lacking anything. Feed shot with the preparation gospel of peace. You have so much peace in every situation that it passes human understanding, not lacking anything. The shield of faith, you have enough in any situation what you are called in front of. 
lacking nothing. Helmet of a salvation, no room for doubt. You know what God has done, and it's the urgency to show others what he's done for you and what he's done for them, and you are founded in that salvation. The spirit of truth, the word of God, you know the word. You know the truth as it is a map and how it relates, and you're not lacking what the word means to your life and how you are applying it. As a Christ follower, the armor of God, you know how to walk in it, and you're lacking nothing on your journey. Your natural economy is growing and giving when you get to this place of abundant life. Growing vertically, your relationship with Christ, horizontally, your relationship with, yes, people. God loves people, right? And then giving daily to that call, vertically, and then giving your heart to serving others, people, horizontally. Growing and giving should be your economy in this abundant life. Where am I? Where are you? Not a question of condemnation, this is not, but of location as a Christian. When people are around you, do they sense what Paul talked about in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit? You got fruit hanging out, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith, meekness, and temperance. Abundant life helps this type of fruit grow. There's this old saying in the sales world where I used to live a long time ago and function. An unhappy, disoriented salesman is never too busy, right? How we as Christians can be asked to represent him and encourage others to become a Christian when a portion of our life may speak in a different way to others, meaning it doesn't line up with God's word. God wants his disciple makers, a.k.a. Christ followers, to be whole, be healthy, be prosperous in our relationships, lack nothing so people can see the goodness of God in you and reconcile. Where am I? If you are not even on the road moving, fine Christian maybe on the road, but not, you know, if you're a Christian moving, I'm going backwards. If you're a Christian moving, that's awesome. If you're a Christian on the road, but you're not moving because you're just fine, or if you're a Christian and you're not even fine, you veered off the road entirely. If you veered off the road entirely, God's more about you veering back on the road than how you veered off of it, Right? That's condemnation. Or if you've never stepped out to really hear the call as a Christian, come follow me. God knows where you are, but he just wants you to move. So location is everything, not your past. Paul even believed this uh, when he was writing Philippians 3, uh, 13 through 4. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind. And reaching forward, so there's motion, to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. So what yesterday was yesterday is not your responsibility as much as today is right now. Start the motion. If you veered off or you feel you're veering off on the road, there is a great quick script series of scriptures that are great can recalibrate you. You know, you guys use the MapQuest and Google Map, put it on there, hit go, and when you take that wrong turn, like I do so many times, as I said at the beginning of our discussion, 
what does the lady or the fine gentleman come on say? Recalibrating, right? Let's get back on the road. Well, if you feel you're veering, a quick checklist of recalibrating is in Romans 12, what Paul talks about. Important. And I won't go through all of Romans 12, but there's basically just three main simple things that he talks about to make sure are you on the road in your Christian walk. One, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not just over a bad donut you're eating, but of what you else you might be lusting in. Because if you don't have a body, don't worry about the journey and the call, right? That's foremost. Check right away. Is that what you are? Do you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Second thing, you don't know it all. You need to continue to transform your mind to this word of God so he can continue to grow you because that mind wanders. Is it, is it in subjection of focusing on the word? That's point number two. Three, are you really that special where you think highly of yourself? Come on, you know? That's point number three. Or are you learning that everybody, whether Christian or not, we need to love all and serve all? So those three points, put them as a checklist. If you feel you're veering, if you can get at least two or three, say, no, I am doing at least one or two of those, that'll get you back on the road quickly. And that's in Romans 12. I heard this quote from a motivational speaker, but it was quoted about a month ago. So it's very relevant to our time. And that's why this person said it. This quote, it says, it's time to wake up and become conscious of the patterns that are currently unconscious, that are shaping our life. Chew on that. So some unconscious patterns could be forcing you off the road that you just don't know, what you've said, what you've done. Again, these are past. We just read in Philippians, press forward. So where am I? Are you in these three levels? Can you identify with that? So I encourage you, ask this question several times a year too in your Christian walk. I hope this illustration was somewhat effective. I just want to kind of quickly review what it was. So again, it's all started out, I needed to know where I am. You need to appraise where you am. But even more than that, you need to include the Holy Spirit, your compass, in that question. And in that answer, the Holy Spirit will tell you where you are. The journey is the journey overall Christian life. The call is not vocational right now, what I'm talking about. The call is you being a Christian, and that call is that still small voice that grows louder and louder from Christ saying, come, follow me. Your mission for every Christian, not just the pastors, the bishop, da-da-da-da-da, nobody else, but even you, are called in your mission to make disciples. Reconcile to Christ. People repent from the goodness of God. And your destination on on the earth while all this is going on is abundant life and it is attainable, but it's only through attainable when you're doing the other things. So as you knew a lot of these truths and understanding today, I mean, I knew, we all know this, God was dealing with me in a location and saying the cement that binds all this journey together is the cement of motion and movement. Whether you make a mistake, get up and keep moving, right? Right? It is movement. Not moving is creating a life that is not fullness of what God wants you to do. So when, I, when you ask that question, where am I? 
Trust in that Holy Spirit answer. It's not a condemnation, but it's where God sees you. And God will never leave you where you are. That's the awesome part, but he knows, and he knows where you are. It's, it's fantastic. And knowing the, good, the armor of God, as we mentioned, you will get that armor of God when you say, yes, sir, I'm enlisting into this journey and learn to walk in that armor because the best, when you're walking out in the armor is when it's going to be used as best against the enemy, right? So I hope this has helped in any way. I do want to have, take this question, though it's been internally, interiors have been asking, where am I? I want to go back externally right now. I am getting into the seats. So my question for you, in an external situation, where are you? Physically, it's pretty simple. You're not here, right? You're not here, and it's not because you can't, you don't want to be. It's because we can't right now. So, what more importantly in this time to ask this question: Where am I? Not being in the church, that terrain we talked about. You need to know more than ever right now where you are, because God has moved the church outside of this building right now. We'll be back together at some point, rubbing elbows, laughing, high-fiving down the road. But the now I'm talking about, God needs you to know where you are and wants you to move on the road and be the church in your world. You'd be surprised. I think the church is, excuse me, I think the world you're in around you is waiting for you. Sometimes we get some fear or whatever else that holds us back. But it's just in a relationship, building discipleship, not standing on a corner, not condemning people, but walking in love towards people. And most likely your life is a great example of that. People are waiting for you in your world to hear the gospel. So be that message. I really encourage you. I hope today encourage you as well. Again, knowing we knew about this journey, but just connecting all the dots and the cementing that the idea is that we need to be a moving Christian in our walk because that's where Christ can bring you to where he wants you to go. It's very easy. I want to end in uh, prayer right now if we can. So if we can just close your eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your people and that I had the opportunity to speak in front of them today, right now where we are. Lord, I just hope it was a message of encouragement, not condemnation. But it opens their heart to really exploring, are they where they need to be as a Christian right now? And Lord, let your Holy Spirit, that compass, give them comfort and understanding when they ask these questions. Lord, we're a church that is moving. Your church is moving, Father God. Continue for us to understand that we can't just do nothing and just be fine, but we have to focus on you and be in motion one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The other thing I wanted to mention was, have you ever accepted the Lord as your Savior? Has he come into your heart? Do you know about this love I was talking about earlier? 
Have you experienced it? He loves you so much, and he's done everything that you would ever need. He's done for you already. I would ask you, if you've never accepted him into your heart, that you would pray this simple prayer with me. If you're also also were a Christian and you just veered off and you don't even see a road, pray with me as well, too. He wants you back. Get back up on the road. So just repeat this very short, simple prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you so f- for loving me so much. You know where I've been and what I've done in my life. But I can believe because of the cross, you have forgiven my sins and redeemed me into your life. Father, give me this new journey. Let it be a journey that has abundant life while I'm here on earth. Holy Spirit, fill me into your heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, call our office, 508-336-4110, and uh, somebody will pick up the phone, even on Monday through Friday. And we have some materials we could give you. This was an amazing decision if you prayed this prayer for the first time today. Welcome to the family of God. But even more, a next more important step than this first decision you just made. The next best decision is to be in church next week. That's the next best decision. Obviously, it's live streaming online. If you're not in our area and you're viewing somewhere else across the United States, find a local church that's streaming online because eventually you're going to get one to get plugged in physically into that church as you begin in that journey as a Christian. Thank you so much for listening for me today. And uh, I trust you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. God bless. Praise the Lord, everybody, as we worship, as we go. Just a reminder to join us for our Wednesday night service at 730, our prayer service on Wednesday.